Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Welcome back to Hypnotic Healers, everybody. My name is Anthony, and of course, here every week with my fabulous co-host, Nicole. And remember, on today's show, none of, neither Nicole, myself, or our guest are licensed medical professionals, such as doctors, psychologists, or psychiatrists. Take what you like here as far as the information goes. Leave the rest. Do not change any kind of medications or prescribe stuff like that unless you talk to your primary care physician first. Thank you so much. And to my lovely co-host, Nicole. <laughs> Hey, Anthony, lovely to be back. And I'm super, super, super excited because we've got an awesome guest here today and so happy that he agreed to come and talk to us. Um, today, we're talking to somebody who has been hailed by somebody else that's very big in the industry as being the best hypnotherapist in the, in the world today, Sir Freddie Jackwin. Welcome, Freddie. <laughs> well, um, thanks for asking me to, to, to do this. Uh, I'm pleased to meet both of you. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, yes, I know I was that was said about me, uh, <laughs> but everyone has an opinion, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's nice because I do rate. Um, yeah, Mike Mandel said it, who I do rate. So yeah, it was very good of him to say it. Uh, it was a bit of a shock because when he was doing the uh, keynote at, at Hypnothoughts Live, and he was doing the keynote, and I was just having my meal, and I he was talking about all the great. Um, therapist throughout the years from you know Milton Erickson and Freud and Jung and they said in this room we have the best hypnotherapist in the world today and I'm just eating my chips and peas and mm -hmm. I heard him say Freddie Jackman I thought did he just say my, someone just say my name and uh yeah so yeah I, I rate I write I really rate Mike so it was very nice of him to say it yeah, um, I was please, there at that yeah. lunch when that was when that would happening. In fact, right, yeah. when you closed out the conference that year, I was running late because I had to use the restroom and they wouldn't let me in your room because it was so damn full. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. When I when my son, Anthony, he said, I've booked you. This was like in 2000, must be in 2018. Mm -hmm. He said, I've booked you um, an hour at Hypno Thoughts Live in Las Vegas. And I said, well, what, you want me to go, you know, I'm going to go all the way to Las Vegas for an hour presentation. Um, he said, yeah, he said, it'd be, it'd be okay. You know, so I thought, okay, it's a trip to Las Vegas. Uh, so I went. And throughout the kind of, I was there for four or five days. And I was saying to people, look, if you've nothing to do on Sunday, I said, I'm done with this presentation. Because I'm thinking I'm going to be in a room on my own, you know. <laughs> and I, I, it'd be embarrassing. Because nobody knows me, and I'm just thinking, okay, right. So I'm saying, look, if you're not doing anything Sunday, like it's five o'clock, wherever it was. So anyway, I came, came the Sunday, and I'm walking down the kind of concourse where all the people, you know, the rooms for the presentations are. There's a crowd at the end of the corridor, and they're, they're queuing up. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if if there's no one in my room, whoever's on must be really good. Because <laughs> <laughs> seriously that's what i thought i seriously thought whoever's on must be really good because there's a crowd of people waiting to see him and i i'm thinking if no one's in my room i might just cancel it and go and see who this other person is i'm actually asking people down as i'm going down the corridor who's on you know what is everyone queuing up for and they said it's for you and i was absolutely amazed and um you know scott who runs it he said afterwards he said look he said you know people know who you are and i mm -hmm. i had no idea 
But like you say that, Anthony, they were hanging off the rafters, people on the floor. It was just amazing. I loved it. I have to say it was really good. And did you get into it? Did you get into the press? I did not get into it. I they right. were so full. They were like, no, it's a fire hazard. The whole, you know, because right. yeah, I mean, you were. I'm sure that the rest of the people that were teaching um, during that time, presenting during that time, I, I'm sure that they were very lonely people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. But I mean, I, I love presenting and it was good fun, you know, and um, uh, I just love it. You know, and, and we had this thing, I think it was the first, I must, where well, it was the first one or the one that you couldn't get into, um, but the mic my, they had a lapel mic and then they had a, a hand mic. And I'm not used to using a hand mic, to be honest with you. Um, but I said, you know, people at the back can't hear you. The mic's not working properly. So they brought out this mic on this stand. And uh, I'm, I'm, unused to, I'm not used to using it. So anyway, it came out. And I, I don't even maybe say it. And I thought, I'm in Las Vegas. So I went, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, can anyone hear me? <laughs> I did the Elvis thing, which kind of settled everybody and then we got into it and it was really good i loved it i have to say yeah yeah same you couldn't get to see it yeah yeah it is well you know are you coming back this year i mean i'm, I'm a no. presenter there now and i'm hoping to see you there this coming right. year i've made a decision to be honest with you and say i'm not going to be traveling back to the states so the last two years i've i feel like i'm letting people down you know people are booking and we've had covid and then we had covid again you know the last two years we haven't been able to do it I was supposed to be there this year. I was supposed to have been there last year. And and to be honest with you, it's such a hassle traveling at the moment. Yeah. And it's such a long yeah. way. And I yeah. can't really, you know, I can't really afford to do it anymore. You know, not, you know, to, to take that risk anymore because, yeah. you know, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to last a few more years. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I, I'd love to think we get to meet somewhere on the planet or something. Well, you know, Nicole and I were talking before this, I recognized I went to your 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 personal site, the Freddie uh, Jackman site. And I told Nicole, it's like when I come and see my mom in England, because she lives over there has for 30 years. I'm like, we're gonna have to do his little coastal retreat thing. That would be amazing. Um, well, well, that sounds pretty good. A, yeah, well, I've, I've moved as, as, you know, as Nicole said, I've moved to the Lake District. I've Even better. You know, I've moved from the, from the East Coast, which sounds like California, but it's not. It's freezing cold here in, in England. <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Hornsea, not, you know, uh, not California. And uh, anyway, I've moved from the East Coast to the North, to the Lake Districts, and there's some beautiful, beautiful places. So mm. I run with my son, Anthony. I run the Jacqueline Hypnosis Academy. It's a, and we've got an online membership going, thing going. It's really good. And, you know, people love it. So I am doing these in, for, for the members. It's free for the members to come along. I'm going to run them from May right through to September. What, you know, I'll, I'll, every, I'll, a weekend every month. Um, and it's free for all of our members to come. They've just they've got to pay for their accommodation. But I've got to kind of deal with the, the best deal I can get with a hotel. And it'll be good fun. So it'd be great if you come over. As far as I'm concerned, you're an honorary member of the Jack Wynn Hypnosis Academy. <laughs> Turn up. The, the training's free. We're going to run it for two days. Turn up. Just let me know. Turn up. And uh, it'd be great to meet you both. Yeah. 
Well, I that's want to a come, deal. definitely. As, yeah, <laughs> especially if you're in. So I was telling somebody else who is also from the UK that was on the show. I've been watching um, Ariel Britain on the History Channel and the Lake District. I was just telling him David Taylor is his name. Actually, he's a hypnotist in Scotland, um, but he lives in the Lake District. I'm like, oh my god, that's just a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful place, and it's got some real history here. The Romans were here, so. Wherever the Romans were, this history, um, and every now and again, a very straight road. <laughs> uh, that was a legacy, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's a wonderful place, and you know, I'm hoping that the, the retreat. So I put a little post out on Facebook saying that I'm going to be running it, and you know, over I think 250 people. I just said if you're interested and you're part of our membership, put a retreat mm. about 250 people. So I'm going to be, it's going to be good. It's just, you know, I'm not doing anything now, Anthony or Nicole, that I'm, it's not fun for me. Yeah, uh, sure. I'm too old to do stuff that I don't want to do anymore. So yeah. it's, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. But this is going to be fun. I know it is. So yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really want to come and join you on one of those. I was under yeah. the impression that you were only going to do one in the summer. No, I'm going to run them every month from May, June, July, August, September. Um, and then, you know, all the dates are going to be posted on the Jackman Hypnosis Academy. And you're welcome to come along, Nicole. Um, Excellent. It'll be great to meet you and yeah. you know, see what I do live. And it's, yeah. It's really pretty crazy because, you know, I don't, I never plan anything uh, just like this. I, I don't plan anything, whatever turns up, whatever comes up. Um, yeah, I just get on with it, really. Well, I mean, yeah. isn't that the best way to work anyway? I mean, I've only read you and, and Anthony's books. And so in fact, and so that's, and I've seen your guys' videos and that sort of thing. And so that's what I have experienced from you. And I've, I, I, I'm, I'm like a sponge when it comes to your guys' stuff, because I just respect what you do so much. How did you transfer into this whole sort of thing from what a boxing coach, Nicole says? Yeah, I was. Li I've been listening to your, yeah. been listening to your book, Freddie, over and over again. And um, yeah, I heard that you you before be being a hypno hypnotherapist, you started. You were a boxing coach. Yeah, I wasn't a full time boxing coach. That was kind of a, a sports thing, a, a hobby thing for me. Um, but I've pretty much been in sales all my life, you know. I've, and so, um, one way or another, I used to have retail shops when I was younger. Um, and then, you know, as life takes its course and I just I've always been interested from from the boxing and from doing sport myself and even my sons who are now my older boys who are now 50 and 46 or 7 I think Anthony is um one of my younger boys is 21 today so happy birthday to him but um, you know, so my oldest boy is 50 my youngest boy is 18 so it's the power of hypnosis I like to think you know so uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah um, so I used to say when even when Anthony and my son Dean, you know, my older boys were young, I, I used to say to them, look, you, as we can do so much physically, but we're limited physically. But mentally, I don't believe we are. We are limited. They've both gone on to do great things, whether it's because I said that or not. Normally, they do the opposite kids to what you say. But um, so I always believe that. And I still believe it. You know, we have so much power over our body, our mind. Um, so I was always interested and I saw this course. I'd been living in the States for a few months and I came back and I was, I'd sold a business before I left. 
And I saw this course advertised, successful hypnotherapy. So I thought I'd just go and do it. And uh, it was in Bournemouth, a thing called IHA. I think it was the International Hypno Analysts or something like that. And I'm not going to slag the course off, but it wasn't very good. And uh, it was all based on, on the old Freudian way of looking at stuff, you know, and, um, and the guy who ran it was an ex-CID guy. I'm not going to name him. He might be alive. He'd be about 110, but he, he, he probably still alive. Um, but anyway, he, but he was a good, he was a good laugh and I did like him. But he was all about the success, you know, how to be successful as a therapist. And by that, he meant how do you make a good living at it? And so he would do this hypnoanalysis where he used to lay people on a couch. And then he would go through, through over, and he said, you keep them in for 12 weeks. Whatever they come for, they're in there for 12 weeks. And then you, that's how you make your money, right? So, um, and then you go for all their rubbish in their life to get back to this cathartic moment. I suppose today, you'd call it regression work, you know, and there's a lot of schools of therapy out there working purely on regression, which is for me, and it's just my opinion. All of this is just my opinion, okay? It's none of it's written in stone, but it's just my opinion. For me, it's uh, a painful way of dealing with things. I, I, I agree. When, I, when, it comes to, yeah. when it comes to past trauma and stuff, um, some years ago, I lived, I lived in a place called Tunbridge Wells in Kent, and across the road from me, was a guy, he had his own taxi company. In fact, say that, he had one, he had one taxi. It wasn't such a company, but it was, his, it was his business. And he was telling me one day, because he knew I was a therapist, he was telling me one day about how when he was a teenager, he got into drugs and alcohol and that stuff, nearly ruined his life. But he pulled himself together and now he's, you know, he's, now he's, um, he's got his business and he was, he was deep dealing with his life all right. And he was saying, he was talking about when he went to see, he was doing karate, he was talking to his, karate teacher i don't know what you call them but his his teacher anyway and he said i started telling him about my past he said my teacher said look it's okay to look back but glance don't stare mm. and that stuck with me and i and i think that's how i like to think of the, the therapy i do you know um there are times when it might be of value i now i don't call it regression because i don't believe we regress back but I call it uh, reviewing, reassessing um, a past trauma. But you can do it in minutes. And, and we'll talk about it today, if you like. I call it, the Jack, you've seen it in my book, the Jack Quinn time machine. Mm -hmm. It's done in minutes, not weeks, months, years. So uh, there are times when it might be, but to, but to look at it from where you are now, from what I call the evolved person you are now, because you are not yeah. the same person you were a week ago. And you're definitely not the same person you were 20 years ago. We, we are evolving all the time. And yet most of the problems we have are we're living with decisions we made in a less informed state. Well, yeah. I, I, and I think the reason that we do that, though, is because we have been trained as a society through religious dogma and all of this other stuff that we're supposed to carry guilt and shame with us in order to keep us in line. So we, you know, and we misinterpret what those things are supposed to do for us, which is give us a lesson, but we don't need to carry it around like a, a scarlet letter, right? And, and I think that that's what people do. Well, you know, I, I have a friend um, in Australia that I talk to, and she's, she's incredible. She's, you know, she comes up with these nuggets of 
gold every now and again, just in conversation. And um, I was talking to her and she was talking about, in fact, I was running a little group to try, which I've just kind of stopped a few, couple of months ago. I will start again in, in the new year. You know, at the moment I'm moving, so I've got a lot of stuff on. Um, but it was called the, the group was called Creating the Body, Health and Happiness Group. And anyway, I was doing this group and she was sitting on it in Australia. And she, then she, she said to me, well, your energy was wrong. And, I, and I, I'm not big into energy stuff, you know, but she said, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I, you know, you'd have to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> oh, that's really nice of you. Um, but then she, then she, she actually said, and she's like, I think, you know, you're, whether you're doing it conscious or not, you're building a kind of dependence with your group on you. So, and it's not what I want to do. And so, because none of us as therapists want to do that. I mean, a lot of therapists do it, but we don't want to do it. I want my clients to be able to achieve what they want to achieve without me, whether, whether they're speaking to me or in my own life or not. So I looked at it and I asked this question. And I've been asking this. I, I came up with this thing a few months ago. I call it the blink and delete technique, okay? So based on the, on the premise that our, and this is just, again, my opinion, our unconscious mind, our instinctive being, is always working to thrive. It wants you to thrive. Given the opportunity and the uh, kind of knowledge, it will get you to where you want to be. But it wants you to thrive. But every now and again, things happen that change that kind of stuff. But we are living with decisions that we made. And here's the sad part about it for us as human beings. Most of our beliefs, who we are, what we are, what we can, what we cannot achieve, most of those beliefs, even our religious beliefs, were created by a child under seven. Mm. That is a very scary thought. Nicole, yeah. you would not have a girl of five making a lifelong decision about what you're capable of or what you can achieve in your life. And yet you were making decisions at five years old. Yeah. So when, based on, the, on that premise that our, our, our body's geared towards us thriving, wants us to thrive, but it's only ever making decisions with the information and the knowledge and the understanding we have in that moment. And we are not making the best decisions when we're 13. When most people start smoking at 12, we're not making the best decisions, but we're making the decisions based on the information we have at that time. So when we come up against the block, and you can try this for yourself over the next week, and anyone that's listening to try this as well, it's called the blink and delete technique, okay? the Freddie blink and delete technique. <laughs> so this is how it works. When we come up against a block, I can't do this, I can't do that. Um, I'm never going to achieve that. Whatever that block is, we ask this question. When did I make that decision? How old was I? Where was I? Who was I with? And was it even my decision? Mm. And I promise you, what happens is this. The moment you ask the question, you immediately go to where you made the decision. You don't have to have three years of regression work. Your brain will immediately take you to where you made the decision. And then you look at it again from where you are now, from the evolved state you're in now. And then you ask the next question. Now I've evolved. Is that decision any longer viable? Or is it an obsolete decision that I made in a less informed state? And if the arts comes back, no, it's no longer viable. You blink twice and you delete that decision. 
And then you go to neutral, which you've learned to do from my book, Nicole. I mean, you might have done as well, Anthony, from my, my technique, TPM, where you go to neutral emotion. Because in neutral, you can make the right decision. Here's the sad thing about it. Most of our big decisions are made in an emotional state. Yeah. And when we're emotional, we're not functioning properly. We're not functioning optimally. You know, I've been saying it to my students for a few weeks, and I know it sounds a bit bad, but never decide to get married when you're in love. That is not the right time. Seriously. <laughs> 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 that is not the right time to make that decision. Wait till you're sitting having a cup of tea, wondering what to say to each other. And if you still want to be together forever, then perhaps get married. But, you know, don't make it when you can't wait to jump that person's bones every time you see them. That is not the best time. To make the I think decision. that should be the title of this episode. Don't don't decide to get married when you're in love. <laughs> well, you know, but that makes it, it makes sense, and it's like your 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 blinking thing. When I ask this sort of question, only I do it differently because I'm trained in facilitating the work of Byron Katie, and and instead, so I I have them take their their thoughts, their ideas that are going through their head to that. Is that true? And can I absolutely prove beyond a shadow of doubt that that thought is true? And then when we can't, it starts to, instead of trying to push the thought out of your head or resist it, it goes away because it's no longer valid. Um, and it's a really interesting technique, but I like this is, this is really cool. Just I like that. Question. And, the, and the fourth part about that question was it even my decision. When you look at that decision, most of the time you realize it was someone else's opinion about what you're capable of. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even your decision. Yeah. And mm. so for me, I mean, I know it's a simple technique, but I think it's really powerful. And yeah. we can keep, we can continue to work with it all the time. We, every time we come up against the block, we go, when did I make that decision? How old was yeah. I? Where was I? Who was I with? Was it even my decision? And you immediately go there, then ask the next question. Now that I've evolved, is that decision any longer viable? Or is it an obsolete decision I made in a less informed state? And bear in mind what I said about, you know, most of the big decisions we make are made in an emotional state and we are not functioning optimally when we're emotional. My thinking on how we can influence how we hypnotize has changed over the years. And this is a piece of knowledge. If you haven't already got it, it's going to change your way of working. And anyone that's listening to this can do the same thing. OK, so I'm going to ask you a question, Nicole. Who is the most important people in your life? Who do you love most? My husband and my dog. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, what's your husband's name? Vinicius. Vinny. Oh, Let's go with Vinny. Vinny, what's your, yeah, what's your dog's name? Gabby. What? Gabby. Gabby and Vinny. All right, okay. Mm -hmm. How about you, Anthony? Who's the most important people in your life? Who do you love most? Number one, myself. Yeah. And right. then uh, on down the line from there are just the people in my life. They're all okay. equally the same for me. I want you to do this for me then, all right? Just do this. I want you to put your right arm out in front of you at shoulder height. And look at me in the camera and think about those people you love. You know, see that beautiful man of yours, Nicole. See that dog of yours. See the people and friends in your life, Anthony. Feel that love right now. And as you feel that love, as you see those faces, I want you to notice the arms hanging all by itself. Imagine there's nothing you can do about that. And when you realise there's nothing you can do about it, I want you to try and get an arm down and find it goes even higher. And I do not want you to pretend. Push your heart even harder. Put some effort in. 
Come on, try even harder. Try and get an arm down. Do not pretend. The harder you try and get it down, the harder it's going to go. Push even harder. Are you hypnotized? Are you in a trance? Why can't you get your arm down? Now, something very strange is going to happen. As that arm begins to lift, you're going to find yourself stuck in that chair. Imagine you're stuck in that chair. There's nothing you can do about it. When you realize you're stuck in that chair, I want you to try and stand up. Find your cannot. Do not pretend. Try and get out of the chair. Try and stand up, Nicole. Try and stand up, Anthony, and find your cannot. Are you hypnotized? Are you in a trance? Why can't you get out of the chair? Why can't you get your arm down? I'm going to click my finger and everything's going to go back to normal. Of course you can stand up. And when that arm drifts down, you're going to close your eyes for a split second. When they open, you're going to have a smile on your face and a new understanding of just how incredible and how loved you are. I know. It's very, very odd. But... I don't see this as complex anymore. If I can make you smile, I can give you a suggestion that's likely to stick. If I yeah. can get you thinking about the people you love, I can influence you. But bear in mind of what we're doing here, because how many friends of yours, Nicole, who have been in, who are really lovely people, who have maybe been in a very nasty relationship, you know, so many, so many girls, they have a, a beautiful day with their kids. They've had a lovely day. They've been with their kids or they've been with their friends. And they have a good day. Their partner has a frustrating day. They come in and they say something nasty. They spiked an emotion, which is what I did when I asked you to think about the people you love. And then they say that that person is rubbish or they're not any good or they're a rubbish mother or whatever it is. Mm. That is no different to me saying, think about that beautiful dog of yours and notice your arm stuck. Yeah. So I see this whole thing differently to how most people see it. Yeah. Most people in hypnosis think your client's going to come in and they're going to tell you their problem. And then you're going to come up with some kind of strategy for changing it. And then you're going to suggest that they can change their life. I see this completely differently now. I, I know, I don't even think, I know my client comes into my, my office already in hypnosis. Yeah. Albeit, and I can't quit smoking trance, or I yeah. can't lose weight trance, or I can't get on that aeroplane trance, but they're already in trance. Yeah. So, yes, we go through the normal stuff that we do, and, you know, and, stuff we've been trained in and stuff we've developed but in truth if you really wanted to just make this change once you've explained to your client what hypnosis is and you can do some phenomena like you know the the jacqueline arm motion which you've just experienced or the finger lock or any other kind of phenomena which gives that person an experience of hypnosis you can then explain how that works with emotion and then you can say this, in a moment, I will hypnotize you. I'm going to take you into the deep, profound state of hypnosis. And at some point, I'm going to count to three. And you are going to come out of that 20-year, I can't do this trance. And I'm going to leave you in a positive Freddy trance. Obviously, you're not going to say Freddy. You're going to say Nicole. What are you going to say to me? <laughs> I'm going to leave you in a positive trance. Yeah. 
because yeah. and, and that's how quickly if you wanted to you could change someone's life yeah and I've, because they're stuck well you know I've, I've got to say, Freddie, I love your book. I really love it. And and I know you've I, I know you recently posted that you've hit ten thousand. I think it was ten thousand sales of your book, audio sales. Audio and sales, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations on that. It is a fabulous, fabulous book, and it's it's so rich and it's so full of experience and and techniques and and I you're you're so you you and also in as you're speaking, there's a lot of humility, there's a lot of honesty, and, and you talk about in your book a lot of stories and learning points, you know, this happened and this really challenged me, and it, it really challenged the way that I was thinking. And we always on this on this podcast, we ask people to tell us about a challenging experience that they've had, maybe, maybe something they came came up in, in their practice, in their business that didn't quite go the way that they thought it would. But your your book is is scattered with stuff like that. The you know your your honest experience of I'm human and I'm you know I'm learning as I go as well. And and that's I think you know a lot of us see our teachers, trainers, and mentors and think oh you know this person knows exactly what they're doing. They've never had any problems on the way. They they've just got it sorted. And let yet here you are the best hypnotherapist alive, being very open and honest about I've had loads of challenges on the way. And I'm I'm still yeah. learning. Yeah, I mean, we're working with human beings. And like I said about my mum, she said, you know, a human being, how long's a piece of string? We're trying to describe you know, human beings because there is no end to it. And they're all different. You know, I, I have a I've seen 25,000 people for smoking mm. in groups, sometimes of 200 people at a time. And my sister-in-law years ago said, don't you get fed up saying the same thing? because you know, when you know the smoking protocol is pretty much a smoking protocol um yes we could tailor it to tailor it to to the individual but the words are pretty much the same and she said don't get fed up with saying the same thing every time you're saying it thousands of times i have to say no i don't because i love people i love hearing mm. I, you know i have a 30 minutes or 40 45 minutes of just finding out a bit about their life who they love what they love doing you know where they want to be you know so i never get fed up with this i never as you know as i say starting me up is one thing shutting me up is something completely different because <laughs> i could talk about it forever i love it you know and i never get up in the morning and think i've got to go to work yeah i often say you know i, I qualified as a hypnotherapist in the early 1990s i haven't worked since people <laughs> laugh but it's the truth you know i haven't i i'd never look on this I can't ever see a time when I wouldn't want to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, but there are challenges, you know, and, but we, we get through it. And, and I think one of the big fears, especially like doing phenomena, where you're asking somebody to experience something, and of course you can fail at that, you know, what would have happened if both of you put your arms down? Where would I have been? It's never happened yet, but what, what would I have felt like? And that's why people don't use phenomena. And People often ask me, what is the most common phobia? Is it needles? Is it spiders? Is it snakes? It's none of those things. It's the fear of failure. Yeah. And that's yeah. what stops most people achieving what they want. It's the fear of failure. So yeah. I was reading a book. You might have read this book. It's called The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Have you ever read it? It's a no. great book. He's a great writer. Right? He kind of uses his body as a, an experiment. He wanted to lose... A stone of fat, within, in, in American terms, that's 14 pounds of body fat and put on 14 pounds of muscle at the same time, which is quite a complex thing to do. But he wanted to kind of lose the fat of his body and bulk up. 
which is something I'm always trying to do. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, what he says is, and I just thought this was a great analogy for life. I don't think he meant it like that. He was talking about how to, how to, build, how to grow muscle, how to bulk up the muscle. If you, do, if you want to just get fit, you can do light weights and do many of them, 20, 30 reps. But if you want to grow muscle, you do three or four reps to failure. So you'll lift the weight that you can only just lift four times. On the fourth time, you fail at it. And in that moment, you rip the muscle. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's painful. It's painful when you rip the muscle and then it's scar and it's scar tissue that makes Arnie Schwarzenegger look like he looks, right? It's a mass of scar tissue on his body. And, but your muscle grows. It's in the moment of failure that you grow that muscle. And when I was reading this, I was talking to my students about it. It occurred to me, that's the best analogy for us as human beings. If we want to grow as a person, if we want to grow as a hypnotherapist, then we need to actively seek out the point of failure. Because it's in that moment, it's painful, but it's in that moment that we grow. I read something the other day, I thought it was great. Someone said, nothing grows in a comfort zone except complacency. And yet most of us want to stay in that little comfort zone. And they're afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of failure anymore. You know, people can think what they like, um, but I'm going to go for it because just for the hell of it. And I, and people say, well, yeah, what if I say your fingers are stuck and they go, oh, and it's not stuck. I said, well, no one died, did they? You know, it's, what's the worst case? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not like, you know, carry on, get on with it. Yeah. Um, but like you're saying, we're working with human beings and we, yes, we want 100% results with our clients all the time. Is that going to happen? Absolutely not. Mm. But if we act as if it's going to happen, everything about you is... When you leave here today, the need for a cigarette's gone. When you leave here today, that phobia will be gone. You know, when, when we do this work, you're going to start losing that weight. Tomorrow, the sun will come up. If someone says to me, can you hypnotize me, Freddie? I say yes. And I say it in the same tone as I say, tomorrow, the sun will come up. Mm. Not how we are, you know, with a bit of luck, I'll try and yeah. hypnotize you. <laughs> with, the, with the wind behind me and, you know. We'll see what happens, I'll, yeah. We'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, a part of you know this. You know, a part of our our um, our ability to get results is our expectation and intention. Yeah. Our intention as our client is going to is going to achieve their goal, and our expectation is they're capable of doing that. And we act mm -hmm. as if. Is it going to happen every time? No, but it's going to happen a lot more times if you act as if it's going to happen mm -hmm. than if you go into it thinking, you know, well, you know, as I said, you know, hopefully. You know, if we work together and um, I get this right, and you know, you're a good subject, and yeah, no, no, yeah. When people say to me, when I ask the question, oh, how can I help? And they say, well, I, you know, I'd like to quit smoking. I say immediately, I say, you've had your last cigarette tomorrow, the yeah. summer. That's yeah. how I act, you know, and so I, the challenge, every challenge about doing this work is worth it. Yes, we're going to get failures. Yes, we're going to have people who say it didn't work for me. Um, but compared to everything else that's out there, this hip, using hypnosis, using NLP, using the techniques you use, Anthony, go way beyond. You know, think about patches. Patches are a billion-dollar industry, and they're less than 3% successful. Mm-hmm. 
They're a billion dollar industry. People are spending billions on patches and they're less than three. You, you're 5% successful if you go cold turkey. You're more, you're more likely to quit if you just decide to quit than you are at patches. Mm. And yet patches are being pushed. Yeah, well, I that's read because statistics. that's because who makes the patches, but the nicotine the same company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. so of course they're going to promote them as a way to quit yeah. because it just keeps yeah, money flowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, but but that's the life, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah. we know how successful just on that one subject, smoking alone, how successful yeah. therapy is. If someone comes to see me with a phobia, I know they're going to quit. I know they're going to lose that phobia. I don't even have a doubt. I've never. I say it hand on heart. I've never seen anyone with a phobia that's gone out my room with that same phobia. Mm -hmm. You might have a phobia of me in the ends, but they won't. <laughs> have a phobia of me. But no, I, you know, I I know how powerful this is, and yeah. it's just a superb tool. Yeah. And the other side of it is, it's easy to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone with with you know the the right intentions and the right, you know, willing to apply themselves can learn how to be effective as a hypnotherapist. And that is one of the great joys of it. You know, you can, you can learn how to do this. You can learn it very rapidly. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know if someone came to see me within a day, if they've never done any hypnosis before, within a day, I could teach them how to help someone out of chronic pain. They Off the back of the idea of failure that you were talking about before, I know a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, you put out a video talking about success and what success is for you in terms of, you know, kind of putting a word out to practitioners, because there is so much focus, I feel, especially in the industry, people, you know, the, there's some really big schools out there teaching and, you know, you need to be this massive, successful entrepreneur. We've talked about this, Anthony and I previously, there's, there's a lot of pressure to get qualified and go out and make, you know, mm -hmm hundreds you know oh, yeah. thousands thousands of dollars I'm a, a month six figure six income yeah earning. yeah and it's there's like, so much wow, so much pressure to to be that person you know first yeah. of all you're learning a skill as a, as a therapist and then there's this added pressure that you have to go out and earn like a hundred thousand pounds a year or whatever and the people that aren't are like oh i'm a failure you know I, i'm yeah. i can't do this i'm not doing this right so your video that you put out there i'm sure you, if you're happy to share the content but was so refreshing i think yes. for me to see that it was very refreshing but what I'm saying is, you know, you know, like you say, most of these schools come in and they say, you know, you can go out and you can do that, do my four, four day training or, you know, and I give you a, a sheet of paper like a spell. You can read this to people and you're going to help them do this and that. And you're going to you're going to earn six figure sum in your first year and all that stuff. It's not true. It's just not true. And so, you know, as I said, I, I charge, you know, I'll tell you my, my fee and is. For four sessions, it's 500 pounds. So it's 150 pounds, 125 pounds to see me. When I said that to someone in Las Vegas, he fell off his chair. He said, you've just been told you're the greatest hypnotherapist in the world. You know, you should be charging a thousand, a thousand pounds a time and all that. No, my wife is a nurse and she works in um, with premature babies. So these babies that are born at 28 weeks, they're like less than a kilo in weight. And she has to put in lines and she, you know, every time is someone, the baby's life on the line every time. And she, as a nurse in England, gets paid something like 16, 17 pounds an hour. And she's got more letters after her name than anyone I know. She's the most qualified person, most incredible nurse, to be honest with you. And she works with these babies whose lives depend upon her. 
and she's done she's been training she still goes online you know she's been doing it since she was 17 i think she's 60 i'm sure she is in fact so as a nurse yeah and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't look it. I'm going to say she doesn't look it. That's why I'm saying she, she must. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, what I'm saying, we've got to get this in perspective. And we've got to say, look, you know, if I can do, if I can do this work and I can make a living at it, and fine. But what I'm saying to my students is this. Instead of thinking, how much money can I make? The question should be, now I've got these skills, how many people can I help? The great Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. And, and that's where our mind should be. How can I help this person? And how many people can I help? And hopefully, you know, a living will follow. But if you go out there and all you're thinking is, oh, there's another 150 pounds in my chair. You know, how do I get those people into my chair? It's the wrong attitude. But I just think, you know, we are doing great work and, Yes, if we could charge by the change, that would be great. But that's not how people see us. But if you can go out and you can earn a reasonable, reasonable living, doing something you love. Mm -hmm. You know, I have dug holes for a living. I know what hard work is. And sitting talking to somebody for an hour and a half is hardly hard work. You know, and, uh, and I love it. So, yeah, I, 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 that's my thinking on it. But most of these schools are selling you on the business. This is how much, as I said to you, the first course I did, how to be successful as a hypnotherapist. And I'm going to share this with you, right? So this guy who trained me, I won't name him, but he was ex-CID. So he's a policeman, kind of, you know, a um, respected member of society. And he said this to us, and we were students, right? It's our first week. He said, what you do, he said, at the end of your session, because the person's laid on the couch, you're in hypnosis. He said, you say, in a moment, I'm going to count to 10, and blah, 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 and you'll drift back up, and you'll find yourself looking forward to our next session. This is somebody who's in trance, and you are suggesting that that person's going to look forward to their next session. You can keep someone in therapy forever doing that. Wow. It's the most unethical way of working. For me, and it's not, not the best business model, no. I want my client out of that room as soon as possible, free of their problem. Yeah, yeah I'm one of those folks that... If I can do that in one session, I'm going to do it in one session. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to take 12 sessions or it's going to take four sessions. Mm -hmm. It's only recent I've been selling four sessions because people are saying... It's ridiculous. You've been, you've seen thirty-five thousand people once. That's not good business. If I'd seen those thirty-five thousand people twelve times, I'd be speaking to you from my yacht in the Caribbean. You know, but it's just. I think as soon as I came out of that course, I, for whatever reason, you know, be serendipity. I bought a book. In fact, I've still got the books here somewhere. Let me show you. Um, I'll find them. I bought two books. One was, I've got them here somewhere. One was uh, written by Bannon Grinder about Ericsson. I think it was called The Hypnotic Language Patterns of Milton Erickson, um, Volume One. I can't find it at the moment, but I'll show you it. So I bought that 
And I bought another book, which was Ericksonian Scripts book by Ronald Havers. I'm going to show you these books so I'll show you how well they've been used. I hardly read. Um, the wonderful Bob Burns, you know, you've probably heard of him. He, he once posted on Facebook that uh, my library had burnt down. He said, it's a very sad day. He said, Freddie's library's burnt down and both his books were burned. <laughs> and, uh, he said, that's not the sad part. He was still colouring one of them in. That's what he said. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I bought this book, and this is it's, it's the original book, right? I bought it. You can see how well it's used. It's like, pretty scabby now. Um, but I bought that book, and I bought this book. Um, you can't even see it. It's not a good thing on it, but it's Hypnotherapy Scripts by Ronald Havens. Yeah. And, um, and then I started working in a completely different way, and I was helping people quit smoking in one session. And so I thought after a few months of doing this, uh, mostly smokers, you know, I see some weight loss people, but it's mostly smokers. And I thought if I can hypnotize one person, why don't we hypnotize two? Because now and again, a couple would come along. So I thought I hypnotized two people, they quit. And I thought oh, if I hypnotize two, maybe 20. So, and I thought oh, I can hypnotize 20, I can hypnotize 200 people. <laughs> so I started doing these group quit smoking in, uh, in England, all around the country. And in 2005, I saw just under 5,000 people for smoking in one year. Wow. And I used to guarantee everything I did. So I'd say, if you don't quit, I won't charge you. What have you got to lose? But a habit is a great kind of ad. You know, if you don't quit, I won't charge you. What have you got to lose? But a habit. And I know because of the people, you know, I, I had two girls working full time, taking the course. It wasn't like uh, we've got now with Zoom and everything else. Two girls full time taking the booking the booking the, the venues, booking the, the, the people in. And they had two checkbooks of mine. because it was too painful for me to write the checks out. Because remember what a check was? You probably won't know what a check is, Nicole. It's before, of course your, I do. before your time. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, so that, so I said, if anyone calls and says I uh, I haven't quit, and uh, don't argue with them, don't just make sure they're at the venue and write the check and send them the money back. And in 2006, I refunded 80,000 pounds. That's wow. pretty scary. But I took half a million pounds right. in that year. So on a percentage, that's still 72, 74% of people were quitting smoking. That's a massive amount of people getting a result from that. Yeah. So... You know, so I have some kind of statistics, if you like, on that. So, so, yeah, um, I've loved doing this work. I still love it. Yeah, you know, if you, as Anthony knows, because you probably, you know, might have heard me outside that room. I love presenting. I can't think of anything I'd rather do. So, yeah, it's just a great tool. And as you know, I came up with the arrow technique, mm -hmm. and it helps people out of pain. It helps people out of pain in minutes. Mm. it's just the most phenomenal thing why I, why i was given that idea i don't know for all the people on the planet but i'm glad i did it's now out as an app if you don't know already it's out as an app called the painkiller app no. i didn't know it was out as an no. app yeah, you can get it on your iphone you can get it on your android phone you can download it to your ipad called painkiller but it's not instead of er it's got a capital r on the end 
you can go to, you know, play, and it's free. It's a free app. Wow. Right. Download it, share it. All we want is yeah. people to, the two guys, these, these two kind of Silicon Valley guys, um, they're called, from Neuromores, they're called, and they're just interested in how many people they can help. And they, they've, they've seen my book, they've, looked, they've worked with me, and they wanted to turn it into an app. And over the last two years, they've turned it into an app. 50,000 people have now used that app. Wow. And we know the That's data. That's awesome. And now we've got these doctors in England um, using the app for research because they've got already got data on how many people have had their pain reduced by a 10-minute app you can download to your phone. So anyone that's listening to it, go and download it you know, and use it and share it. That's all wow. we, want. we want, as many people to use it as possible. <coughs> but yeah. you know why I was given the idea for that? I have no idea, but I'm pleased I did. And as I said, thousands and thousands of people were out of pain because of that one idea. It was, it was meant to be, wasn't it? It's like Paul McCartney dreaming up the, the song yesterday. Well, I, I just think, you know, I was talking to someone the other day about this. In fact, I, I, I've got a, well, I'd like to think of her as a friend now. She's a student, uh, but we, she's a hypnotherapist in, New Zealand, in, in Australia. And Lisa, her name is, and she was saying, we were, we were talking to each other. So I have these great ideas. You know, I have these great, really great ideas. I said, have you acted upon them yet? I haven't acted upon them yet. But I have these really great ideas. I said, look, imagine that you've, that you know someone, you really care about them. And you decide to buy them a really wonderful present. So you go out and you hunt for this present and you buy it for them. And you put it in a beautiful box and wrap it beautifully and put a big bow on it and you give it to your friend. And they say, thanks very much. And they take it and they put it on the shelf and they never open it. How many more presents are you going to give that person? And I think it's like every now and again, and you will have already had them. We have ideas, but most of us don't work, don't act on it. If I have an idea, and I know my son kind of, he kind of, you know, puts his head in his hands because I, I just, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Let's try it. You know, um, I've written a few books and a couple of novels. I left school at 15, you know, and and I, most people don't write books. So they think, well, what will people think if it's rubbish? You know, maybe I'm not going to any good. My attitude now is, am I enjoying it? Is it going to be fun to write? And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But my attitude now, if you've got an idea, then act upon it. You know, get it out. The only thing that stops us, and you all know this from your work, the biggest problem for most people on this planet is worrying what other people think. Mm -hmm. Yep. You get past that, you're in an awesome space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, though, that most people don't like that, that they're so resistant to the discomfort it takes to get to the point where you actually don't care that they resist that discomfort that they that they just keep experiencing it rather than just going, OK, that's uncomfortable right now, but it's uncomfortable right now. It doesn't have to exist forever. And and I, and I think that uh, to me, that's a little bit that's one of the things I try to give my clients is that, you know, just just go through life you know just enjoy 
we're here to we're we're meant to enjoy that which we have created and 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 by worrying about everything and by by resisting everything we don't enjoy anything life is a banquet and most poor suckers are starving to death that's what auntie mame said and and i still believe it um and i think that we just need to enjoy in, enjoy the bental the, the the bountiful you know display of food that has been presented before us yeah i mean i i just think you're absolutely right but one, we've got to realize that it's there and that we're allowed to do it. You know, what you, what you said earlier, Anthony, um, again, this is from my friend um, Gaylene in uh, Australia. And she comes up with these wonderful nuggets of, of gold often. And Anthony and I were running uh, one of our training courses online, J, you know, JHA. And he was talking about habits, how to deal with a habit. And he said, the students online, have anyone got a habit? And so, so I can demonstrate this technique, he said. So this lady put her hand up. She, he said, what's your habit? She said, I, I, I'd like to uh, not swear so much. So I'd like to not, not swear quite as much as I swear. So he said, okay, we will deal with it. So anyway, he did the demonstration. It was great. And then I said to him, because you know, he and I have this kind of banter all the time. I said, why did you not ask her if she wanted to quit swearing altogether? He said, well, that's ridiculous. He said, who wants to stop swearing altogether? <laughs> that's kind of mad. Why would you want to stop swearing altogether? I said, well, you could at least give her the option. So anyway, we had this kind of And then I said, you don't need to swear. And then, so because we had this conversation, I was aware of when I was swearing. And I realized that all of the swearing, not just some of it, but all of my swearing was at me. You know, you effing this and you stupid that and you, you know, like we do to ourselves, you know, when we, you know, whatever it is. And I realized I was swearing at myself. So I'm having a conversation with my friend Gaylene and she said, well, that's abuse. She said, that is self-abuse. She said, you wouldn't speak to anyone else like that. You wouldn't call anyone else those names. It's self-abuse. And she said, we need to find an unconditional love for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And because then, you know, if you have an unconditional love for a friend, they're a few pounds overweight, they don't stop you from loving them. If they make mistakes, it doesn't stop you from loving them because you have an unconditional love for that person. Yet we don't give ourselves the same credit. So one of those, you know, when she said it, I just went, okay. She said, you should have an unconditional love for yourself. And when Anthony said, you know, when I asked Anthony who he, who he loves most, he said, myself. You know, in England, we use it as a derogatory term, don't we? We say, yeah. oh, look at her. Look at her. She loves herself. Mm. Look at him. He loves himself. We should be saying what Anthony's saying. How incredible. Anthony loves himself. How incredible yeah. is that? She loves herself. How incredible is that? So since I've had that conversation, I, I hold on to that unconditional love for myself. And strangely enough, you start to eat differently. Why yeah. would you feed someone you love rubbish? Yeah. You know, why would yeah. you treat someone you love badly? You won't. So having an unconditional love for yourself is immense. And yeah. I've been saying it to my, my clients, my students all the time. I, I, that's the space I want them to get to. Mm -hmm. I don't care yeah. what they're there for. I want them to get to that point of unconditional love. 
I get them to get a sense of drifting away from their body, the essence of who they are. That intangible part of a human being, I say, the passenger, the observer in that physical body. Get a sense of separation and have a look back at that body and show it some, some appreciation. How incredible is your body? Think about your feet. How many people have you met because of your feet? How many places have you been because of your feet? We don't give our feet enough credit. They carry us forward in life, do they not? They absolutely do. How about your hands? How incredible are your hands? How many things have you achieved because of your hands? How incredible are your hands? So yeah. to look at your body and start to love that body. And know it's okay to love yourself. Well, then so, to even add on top of that, I, I take it to, and you may be getting there, but I take it to, as the observer, look at the mind, look at your consciousness as just a piece of consciousness. Look at how you're using the tool that we call your mind. Are you living through it or are you allowing it to live through you? Because that's going to determine a lot of the happiness that we experience, in my yeah, belief, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. To, to, be able to, to be able to get to that point of separation where you can look at your body and you can look at your mind. Because what I say is this, you know, notice that the essence of who you are is ageless. It's infinite. has no edge. Yeah. And as you look at your body in that chair, understand you're not your body. Mm-hmm. Today, I was strange enough, I was carrying a, my, my wife maybe some, uh, some, something to eat, and she put the, the plate in the microwave <laughs> to warm it up so the food didn't get cold. But it was a tad hot. Now, normally, I would have got a towel or something. But I said to myself, this isn't going to burn you. It's not going to scald you. And it's just your body. Right? It's not, it can't touch you. Yeah, it's, yeah, your body might be feeling a little bit of pain, but it can't touch you. It's a, it's a ridiculous thing. I stubbed my toe a few weeks ago. I said, oh, hold on. Yeah, I've just stubbed my toe. You know, it's just your body. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> carry on. It's not, it can't touch you. And when you get to that point, then kind of dying does, is, isn't the same. When you get to that point, you realise that your body is not who you really are. And so anyway, getting to that point of, Loving yourself, Anthony, is a great space to be in. An unconditional love for yourself. Yeah. It's, and then you it's, can show that to other people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so, so true. Sorry, it's so true. I talk a lot about collateral healing and, you know, very much what you're talking about here. You know, when you work on something, on one thing, a lot of other things tend to sort themselves out. One of my very first clients came to me for conflictive behavior at work. And it, of the underlying problem here was, was a lack of self-love. And as we worked, and just in the first session, we worked on untangling this thing of self-love and installing a sense of self-love, came back to me a week later. He was like, strangest thing. I woke up the next morning, threw my cigarettes in the bin, uh, went to the gym and got a personal trainer, went to a nutritionist and have changed my diet. And it was, we didn't touch any of that. So just by working on this sense of you you have your children you love your children what would you do for your children mm-hmm. the same sense of if you love yourself you're going to treat yourself with that kindness and love and take care of yourself in that way as well and all of these things that we never even touched just completely untangled themselves you know i've got friends um sandra grace in america and she presents the hgr probably you might have, might have seen her mm-hmm. she's fantastic got a great name Best name for a therapist ever, anywhere, Sandra Grace. What kind of name is that for a therapist? But anyway, she asked these two questions. 
And I think they're the best questions. It's getting to where you're, what you're talking about, Nicole, and the way you feel about yourself, Anthony. And she asked these two questions. I reckon they're the best questions ever. And they're, they're, they're the questions to ask ourselves and ask our clients. And she asked this question, what has to happen for you to love yourself enough to treat yourself to the life, the health, the happiness you want? Mm-hmm. I just think that's the best question ever. What has to happen for you to love yourself enough? And then she asked this second question, which is equally as important. She says, if you are not living that life now, if not, why not? If you answer those two questions, you can change your life. What has to happen for you to love yourself? Anyone listening to this? You know, just ask yourself the question. What has to happen for you to love yourself enough to treat yourself to the life, the health, the happiness that you want? Well, you know, if you are not living that now, if not, why not? You know, and in answering that question, it's it presents you with all the barriers, obstacles, and objections that are keeping you from experiencing that. So then if once you have that awareness of what those pieces are, what are you willing to do in order to make those changes? Because that's where our our ability to go, where we get into that complacency. And well, you know, it's a little uncomfortable to change, you know, because how is that going to affect the people around me? And are they going to be resistant to it? And when they become resistant to my changes, because they're going to be forced to change. When we change, the people around us are forced to now accept a new person who is not the same person that they've known for maybe their whole lives or their marriage or whatever it is. And and, and what are we going to get as far as that feedback goes? And how are we going to apply that to what we're doing? And are we going to allow it to keep us from reaching the potential that we can actually get to? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that, is, that is the question, the absolute question, yeah. Um, one of the girls that's trained with us, Jessica Fleischer, she's a two-time kickboxing champion in England and she posted the other day she just had a workout with her, her, her gym buddies and one of the guys on there said and going back to what you're saying Anthony he said I'm willing to do what others are unwilling to do mm-hmm. to achieve what others are unable to achieve and I just thought that's a great quote I am willing to do what others are unable are unwilling to do to enable me to achieve what other people are unable to achieve. And it is that. Yeah, we can have, we can know what we need to do. Let's take weight loss. We all know how to lose weight. It's a simple kind of, but what are you willing to do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. My question to my clients, how badly do you want this? Mm-hmm. When it comes to weight, there is only one question. How badly do you want to look or feel that good? That's the only question. And what are you willing to do to make it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, we can have all the ideas in the world. That's what I'm saying. We can have, we can be given gifts of great thoughts. I like so your analogy of that, by the way. That is, yeah. I, I love that analogy of putting the gift on the shelf because is what can happen. And entrepreneurs need to hold on to this. When you have an amazing um, idea come into your mind, the because of just the world of quantum mechanics and that idea it has come into someone else's mind at that fruition at someone else at the same point and if you don't act on it you could lose out on something really big because they were willing to act when you weren't 
Yeah. And so that 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 present gets left up there on that shelf. And like Anthony says, or, or excuse me, like Freddie just said, is it's going to collect dust. And who is going to, it's like when we make the changes, if we don't celebrate the part of us that is willing to make those changes, why would it continue to stick with the new strategy? Why, if we don't recognize this, so it's the same all the way around. Yeah, I love that analogy. That's awesome. And that's why I think, you know, there are people that continue to be given gifts, good ideas. You know, yeah. and I have an idea like the blink and delete. I'm going to tell you about it that day. I'm going to teach you it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it works, you know. And um, um, again, you know, I, I don't think anyone knows about the arrow technique. It wasn't for my son, Anthony. I, I was teaching it and training it. But he, he, you know, he's got a different approach to me when it comes to getting stuff out there and doing stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, I've had some great ideas. I'm going to have some more great ideas. I have no doubt, you know, yeah. um, and you'll know about it because they'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, so how long have you worked with Anthony and how did he get into, um, how did he get into hypnosis? Well, I mean, when I first started doing it, um, I came home from that course, you know, and bear in mind, I was, you know, I was a salesperson before that. And I went on a course, I came back on something about therapist. Oh, well, you're a therapist now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but then he, he was, uh, he, he, he went to university, did this thing, GIS, which was, you know, um, geographical information system, studying satellites and all that stuff. He's a pretty genius guy, actually. And then he got married and he had a, a young child and they moved from London to, to Derby and he was looking for a job. And I said, well, look, you know, why don't you work with me? He'd seen what I do. He, he worked with me on different things. And so he got involved and then he started because he's inter interested in magic and mentalism and Darren Brown and all that stuff. He was doing street hypnosis and teaching people how to do performance hypnosis. That's where his kind of passion was at the beginning of this. Um, in 1999, I started, which, which was then the, um, the UK Hypnotherapy Training College. It, we still, it's still our kind of mother company, but I started that in 99. I don't know when Anthony joined with me, maybe 2003, 2004. Um, I had someone else kind of working with me, and then Anthony got involved, and then we ran it together. He still did his thing with his performance and street hypnosis started a company called head hackers and then he wrote the book um reality is plastic great book and, that, and that's become like an iconic book but for uh, street hypnosis and stuff um and then we were already working you know he was working me since but i was i started working i think it was 95 yeah around 95 and then he joined me 2003 2004 because he was in derby and i said why don't you just take this and start your own hypnotherapy business, which he did. And he was really successful with it. So yeah, so that's how he got involved. But, um, you know, he's been a great, he's been a great son. I've got four sons, I say, a range from 50 to 18. And I love them all, they're all great. Uh, but Anthony's been one of those boys, when he was, a, when he was my, his older brother, Dean, he could read out of a newspaper at three and a half and I was, I was 19 when he was born, so I must have been 22 or something. I thought this kid's a genius. So I'd, I, so I'd say, look, sit with me every night and read 10 pages, thinking I was, that was going to make him even more genius. Uh, he is a genius. He, you know, he's 50 now. He is a genius. But 
He hates reading. He absolutely hates it. Because <laughs> I, with Anthony, so I, I'd made the mistake with Dean and I didn't make the mistake with Anthony and he would devour books. Even to this day, he still just devours books. He, he is, I'm, he's my son, but he's the most knowledgeable person on hypnosis, the history of hypnosis, the, the therapist in it. If you ask him any question, he could tell you. He's absolute genius on it because he still devours books. And as I said, as uh, Bob Burns said, I've got two books and <laughs> still colouring one of them in. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's how you got involved. It's been great. We've travelled all over the world together, you know, quite literally. And uh, it's, I've been very, very lucky to have him as a kind of, as, have him as a son, firstly, but have him as a business partner. I've been very lucky and uh, great collaboration. I know, I, know I, I know I embarrass him at times and he has to keep me in line at times, but <laughs> that's no, the job a of a father, I think, isn't it? It's a father's role to embarrass their kids. That's yeah. right. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I, I've done it to the extreme at times, but never mind. I'm, you know, hopefully he's still, still working with me. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's been great. Thanks for asking. Very cool. Well, Freddie, thank you, you. I've got one more question. Go um, on just because I am curious where you see the future of hypnosis headed. Mm. Right. Well, I think it's only going to get more accepted. It has to be. You know, we're taking enough people out of pain. I work with the College of Medicine in the UK. I've been doing, you've probably seen all those YouTube things I've running them for them since the beginning of started with the beginning of lockdown. Can I run some things for helping people over the anxiety of COVID and everything else? And that went on. And, and some of those, some of those doctors, not all of those doctors are really well-known doctors in the UK. They're real believers in the work we do, but they also know how difficult it is to get it into the NHS because of their rules and everything else. And how do you explain hypnosis? So that has been a problem, but I'm working with them and working with the uh, College of Medicine Integrated Health. And we started doing these advanced language, uh, language techniques, teaching doctors how to use things. Because I think the arrow technique, I think every MD should know how to do the arrow technique mm -hmm. because you can do it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. At the moment, we know what the problem with opi uh, opiates are in, in the world and the amount of people that are dying from it's millions of people in england now they've been told not to even um, prescribe aspirin for people in pain and so people are suffering my thinking is this if you've got a patient that comes in you're giving them a max amount of painkillers and it's not touching their pain and you know about the arrow technique why would you not say look i can't give you any more painkillers let's just try this technique they don't have to say i'm a hypnotist they can just run that technique and people will help people out of pain. And I think enough people are using it. It'll become duty of care for the medical world to say, here's an option. So my goal is to get hypnosis accepted in that way. And I believe that's where it's going, Anthony. We Very cannot good. keep, they cannot keep ignoring the power of this tool we call hypnosis. Yeah. So I think as we get into it, as we get more and more, then it'll become an accepted tool. And that's where I want it to be, because it's just a fabulous thing. We're all doing hypnosis, whether we like it or not. We're all being hypnotized, whether we like it or not, yeah. to be able to 
to capture that and utilize it, that's where I think it's going. And that's where I'd like it to be. That's why I continue to train people, even though I'm really old. Yeah. More people. <laughs> you keep saying that. <laughs> well, you know, I am. I am. And, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to, yeah, to be reasonably healthy. So um, You don't look very old. I'm 70 in June. Oh, well, my, you're, you're not even as old as my dad yet. Well, no, so and my dad, I don't consider my dad to be an old guy. 90s no, 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 old, no, no, but maybe no, that's because I'm, I'm 55. <laughs> I say I'm young, but my body, when I get out of bed in the morning, says, no, you're old. And uh, <laughs> it takes me a little while to get going. But, well, uh, you know, I, I used to ride horses professionally. And I, and I tell my friends now when I go out riding, it's like when we were younger and we fell, we used to bounce. Now yeah. we just hit the ground. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. But no, I, as I said, so I, I'm, I'd love to think my dad's 97. So I might have another 30 years of this yet, you know, with a bit of luck. <laughs> and I'm going to keep teaching it. I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to still keep enjoying it. And it's been great speaking to you both. And, um, you know, I know you love it and you're helping people change their lives. So hope for people have got something from this. If you're in pain, you don't need to be. Go and get my app. It's yep. free painkiller app. If you're stuck in any way, ask the question, when did I make that decision? And blink and delete it. Look at it. If it's no longer viable, blink and delete and make a new decision. And if you're interested in training with me, look, jacqueninehypnosisacademy.com. You can join that membership free for 14 days. Binge on Anthony and my stuff. You know, you can get all the stuff we did with Mike Mandel in Toronto, my smoking protocol. You can get download all that stuff in the 14 days if you want. But ultimately, I'd like to think you enjoy it so much you join our membership. Within that membership, it's a pound a day. And if you want to join, she's hardly expensive. And with that, you can get diploma course, which we used to sell for two and a half thousand pounds. You'll get that over six months training free um, within the membership. And now Nicole and Anthony are going to be joining me in the lakes retreats in the summer. I am so. certainly going to sign up for that. Are you going to be running any more morning programs? Because I know you you did a morning and an afternoon one. You started in September and in February, you've got an, like an evening one starting. Are you going to... Yeah, what gonna... we do is we run them on three time zones. So mm. we're doing one this evening. Yeah, I think it starts at 6.30. Um, that's like for the Americans. Mm. We run one on a Wednesday evening, I think it is, for you know, for, for the UK and for Europe. And we run mm. one Sunday morning from 7 to 11 for the Aussies and the New Zealanders. Mm. Um, so they don't have to get up too early. But, uh, yeah, we're, running, we're generally running them on three time zones during the month. They're four-hour sessions, 12 sessions over six months, um, and you can qualify for our diploma. Excellent. Very Excellent. good. Very good. That is, uh, thank you. Thank right. you so, so much, Freddie. We really appreciate you being here. Okay. Thank you. And can people find this podcast and where can they find it? Yeah. Uh, hypnotic anchor.fm forward slash hypnotic dash healers or hypnotic healers.com. Yes. And I mean, the, yeah, exactly. we'll share that on the group. We'll share that. And it's available on any, I've made sure now it's available on every single podcast platform that's out there. They can find hypnotic healers. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, have a great evening, morning, whatever it is you, wherever you are. And hopefully I'll see you in the summer. All right. 
Indeed, right. indeed. Thanks, Thanks again for asking me on. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.